Hey, welcome back to the Vince Del Monte podcast. And today we've got a really cool episode with the CEO of the Starting Line Coaching, a very sizable and successful coaching business, uh, faith-based run coaching business, which is really, really cool. And I know a lot of my followers are believers and are looking to uh, build businesses being authentic to who they are. And uh, our guest here today helps entrepreneurs and executives optimize their health and performance. Super excited to have Cole Taylor on the podcast. Welcome, bro. Vince, pumped to be here, pumped to chat, uh, even more pumped to just hang out. So it's going to be a good time. Absolutely, man. So we've been getting to know each other through social media. You got to come to our Nashville event. I got to watch you beat up your legs trying to run the 100 mile <laughs> marathon. First of all, um, dude, Tell me why you thought you could or would or should run a hundred mile ultra marathon without any running background because I follow that. I just want to hear your mindset so people know who they're talking to first of all. Yeah. So for some context, I eight weeks before a hundred mile run, I signed up and I had been doing zero running. And so to go from no running training at all, no endurance background, doing zero running to attempting a hundred miles in eight weeks is pretty stupid. But I did it because of two things. One is I had a community of people around me that challenged me and pushed me to do stuff that's uncomfortable. And then two, I did it because I didn't want to. It sounds really weird, but the more that I processed through it, I realized how almost scary that was. I'm like, I'm not a runner. That's not me. That's going to be so hard. I kept like talking myself out of it. And then I realized I had this moment. I'm like, that's exactly why I need to do it. So we're signing up. We're pushing ourselves. If I could do hard things and embrace the difficult things, it, uh, it puts something inside of you. Nobody else can hurt themselves. What was the hardest part for you? Um, the hardest part for me was the mental side on the back end, knowing that I didn't finish. So I, I made it 79 miles and, uh, you know, officially quit. I couldn't really walk anymore. And so my last mile took me like an hour and I was dragging one of my legs. And so I called it and like, I'm not, I've been running for 20 hours. I, you know, it's going to take me way longer than the time cap to even get close to finishing. It's not worth hurting myself even more. Uh, and so I called it and I'm like, I'm going to just have to do this next year and actually really train. But the hardest part for me was the aftermath knowing like, feeling like a failure. Like I did not complete this thing that I had set for myself. I pride myself in being pretty mentally tough and being a competitor and a finisher and having to deal with that, you know, a little bit of a rock to your identity a little bit, uh, was actually an incredible gift, but very difficult. 79 miles. (laughs) Yeah. Three back-to-back marathons in a row. I mean, that's, it's pretty phenomenal. You know, I'm coming from a running background so I can appreciate the mileage and, um, That's phenomenal. So before we dive in, I want to talk about something you're passionate about helping your men with, which is how they find their identity when uh, a lot of our identity is found by um, the external world and things we do. And uh, I'd love to hear how the starting line was born, how you've been able to grow it. We're even going to dive a bit into the dark side of the industry that a lot of people don't know about. But um, first of all, before we share your story, just what's a day in the life look like for you right now from morning to night? Just, I love hearing just morning, night, what time you wake up, how's the day look? Sure. Yeah. So I, I would love to say I'm a super routine person and I am. However, I'm forced to be pretty uh, adaptable because I travel a ton. Um, I'm trying to actually pull my travel back a little bit because it's been too much. But for a long time, I traveled almost every week. I was at some sort of event 
speaking, at conferences, networking. You know, it's really how we built our business. I can break down that more of what that really looked like and the intentionality behind it, but it was really just getting in rooms where our avatar hung out and building relationships there. And so routine-wise, it totally depends on if I'm at home or if I'm traveling, but I do my best to keep the same non-negotiables in place. Like the, the morning routine looks the same. The training looks the same. Like I train my body every day. You know, I train my mind, my spirit, my, my faith. You know, I do those things on a daily basis, regardless of where I am. In an ideal world, if I'm at home, you know, I'm getting up. I, I'm actually not like I'm in a season where I'm not super early riser. I'm, I'm actually uh, been doing a ton of late night work just because I found my mind has really been going lately at that time. So I've been getting up at seven instead of you know where it was five when I was doing this running training. I've just been allowing myself to to see how performance looks like, and it's it's been pretty good. So seven thirty, work out for about an hour, uh, come there prep for my day, do my morning routine, and then I'm starting calls at nine a.m. and uh, I'm off to the races. Usually I'm I'm in some sort of call or meeting or or recording some content like this from you know most days from nine to five uh, if I'm at home. Now there's multiple days a week where I'm typically traveling and, and meeting and networking at lunches and stuff, but you know if that leaves me three days during the week, I'm pretty stacked on meetings and calls in town. Two quick rapid fire questions. As an online fitness coach, what is your favorite part of the game? Like with all the stuff you get to do through the day, you have to do through the day, what's your favorite part? What's your least favorite part of the business? Um favorite part is group, anything group, being in front of our community and our clients, being in front of, uh, I've actually jumped back in and started doing some of our onboardings again because they're group conversations. There's five or six new clients at a time. And anything I can be in front of a group and cast vision and inspire and get people motivated, uh, I love. The stuff I hate is anything systems, logistics. I can teach it. I can talk about it. I can oversee it. But uh, I'm so blessed to have an incredible business partner that's our COO that oversees the day-to-day processes and lets me actually live in my world of, of dreaming and ideas and passion and vision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anything anything logistical, uh, I would love to not talk about. And anything vision and ideas and passion and people uh, is definitely my jam. Well, that's what we're like. Uh, that's what we got in common. So, so Cole, walk me back. Um, you know, upbringing, athletic history. Um, you know, how did you become a pastor? I don't even think I've heard that yeah. story. Yeah. So, um, I'll start with, so I went to college, I got a business degree and played football while I was in college and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I'd been heavily involved in the church group in a ministry family. My you know, mom had pastored at a church. My sister and her husband still pastored at a church. I grew up like any time that I wasn't at school or at sports, I was at the church. So just my life, it's kind of ingrained in me. And I got to this place at the end of finishing my business degree and if it was done with football, but I was like, I, I want to be in ministry. I felt like that's really my, my best place I could make an impact. That's people I looked up to the most. That was the, really the, the place that I saw them doing what I wanted to do. They were inspiring people, encouraging people, helping them grow. And I just saw the impact in that and had a stirring inside of me. I'm like, Hey, this is my next steps. So I stepped into full-time occupational ministry and uh, I was kind of a weird hybrid to where uh, I, my focus was on music. So I, I was a worship pastor and I got to travel, sing and record music and do a bunch of big conferences. Um, but usually when you're a you know, quote unquote pastor to church, you, even if you're like positionally focused, like as a musician, you still do a bunch of the pastoral stuff too. So weddings and funerals and hospital visits and serving and outreaches and stuff. So I kind of got the cool, the 
both worlds where I got to do normal pastoral stuff, but also the thing I was good at with music. Um, so that was most of my, uh, my pastoral career was you know, very heavily in just involved in the local church and, and serving, but also getting tons of fun music opportunities. But got to this place where I wasn't fully fulfilled in the way that I, I felt like I should be. Um, there's a, another stirring. I mean, it's a whole other conversation, but you know, God really leads me to make changes by a stirring or a, a kind of a tug on the inside of my heart that if I start like, all right, God, what is this? And you start unraveling it and he starts exposing things to you and you look for it. And so one of those seasons began of, hey, I think there's uh, God's tugging on my heart that something's about to change. And I just don't know what that is. And short version is I started digging and realizing there's other areas that I want to be outspoken about that I want to help people grow in. And so I ended up stepping out of full-time ministry and getting into coaching and went back and got my master's in business. Um, other piece of this is I didn't like making $30,000 a year working at the church. That's not super fun. Not a lot you can build there. Uh, so great impact, but also income wasn't there and there's a different life that I wanted. Um, but I, I wanted to have more real conversations around uh, other areas of family super important to me. I've got a huge background in health from sports, but also have lost a ton of family members from health complications. Mm -hmm. you know, I had a business degree. Like I wanted to be able to to build something that allowed people to grow in other areas. And so I stepped out of that and then, you know, fast forward we're <laughs> a couple of years after that we're I had a totally different position. So when did you start the starting line? Was this your first online fitness business? <laughs> no, so it was interesting. My I actually got to know my business partner while I was working at the church, this was almost 10 years ago, I started doing sales and coaching for him. Um, and so I, that's how I got introduced to online fitness coaching is I was working during the day as a pastor. I'd have a lot of free time or you know, certain days, our days off were during the week too. And so I would have this free time of, hey, I don't make very much money and I'm not bad at fitness and I've got a certification. Maybe I can figure something out. And somebody connected us and then real quickly realized I could talk to people really well. So I started coaching and then I started doing sales. That was my first introduction. And so when I stopped uh, and I did that on and off for five or six years with him. Uh, and when I stopped uh, working at the church, I immediately jumped back in and was like, all right, like this is, I know this is a great way I can make money while I'm going back to school. So that's when I started my my version of the coaching business, uh, which at that time was just Cole Taylor coaching. The starting line hadn't really been a name yet, uh, but I got like two years into that and wanted to kind of really begin to build a brand, not just be coaching. And uh, that's when the starting line came to be. And then I reconnected with my, you know, what is now my business partner, but the guy I had done sales and coaching with, uh, we actually kind of rebirthed this new brand together, which is, that would have been about four years ago. So uh, we had both been doing coaching. He's been doing all night coaching one of the first people ever as far as uh, like in the social media world where I think like 12, 13 years ago, he started doing online fitness coaching. Uh, you know, obviously you're an OG too and probably have been doing stuff for way longer than that. But he, you know, his Instagram wasn't a thing. It was like just becoming a thing when he was getting started. So the good old days. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And um, kind of share, you know, for people listening here who want to, you know, grow their online business, you know, you're doing the high ticket model. We use that term. I like, I like to call it high impact instead because you're really connecting with people on a closer level, high touch, high leverage. Um, you got a lot of the same people doing the similar program. So scalable. Um, it's, 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 it's just much more impactful, in my opinion. Um, 
What do you like about the high ticket space? You know, just think people always get asked by people, hey man, what about low ticket? Or do you have some low ticket stuff too? But I'd just love to know how like your business is set up um, on a higher level. How do people come into your world? Yeah, they come in through uh, two main channels right now. We've we've just ramped up paid traffic. And so that's a a pretty new thing for us the last really 45, 60 days, uh, which has become a major acquisition source for us uh, since we've gotten that started. Up until that, though, uh, the main channel was through really partnerships or affiliates, depends on how you want to look at it. Um, I would be partnered up with these masterminds or business events. I would get to speak at them or I'd become a quasi-member slash coach and just really get free reign or access to these pools of people that are our avatar. And I would show up and deliver value and build relationships and offer free support. And then in turn, we'll get a ton of exposure for all of these uh, that need our help. And oftentimes, I'd even pay to be a part of the group too, because I'm you know, running the numbers. I'm like, hey, if I get X amount of clients, like the cost of acquisition still makes sense. And like, it's cheaper than I would be buying it through Facebook. And so that's really how for the first three and a half years, um, people came to know us. It was just me speaking and networking through these events and then doing a bunch of group you know, online stuff. And I do calls and... So it kind of became just relying on other people's audiences. It's a pretty freaking cool business model. So you're going to events, yeah. you're traveling a ton, and you're getting clients, and, and you're working with some high-level dudes too from some high-level masterminds. Maybe share like yeah. maybe one of the big fish that you've hooked or uh, you know, some, something that was like a big accomplishment from that. Because a lot of yeah. – like, dude, not a lot of people – I hardly know anybody who does that anymore like with that intentionality. No. Well, and so for me, it was like I had done before I partnered with my business partner, I had had decent experience doing most lead generation methods. Like I had done some a high volume of cold or semi-cold outreach with video messages or custom video messages. And that's really how I built my business. Like started growing it past like my initial warm audience was, all right, I just got to find people that fit my avatar. And if I can build enough relationship and get them to watch a video, maybe they'll trust me enough to get on a call. And so there's a point where I'm sending a hundred video messages a day and I can get, you know, 15 to respond and five or six get on a call, like start to run some pretty uh, weird games like that and start to get a virtual assistant to do it. But I, I, when we restarted this method, I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. Like, I just love being around people. The pastor and me, like, if I can just be around people and connect with them, it's it's so much better. So that's really my where my brain went, and um, it it wasn't that wasn't the idea initially to build the whole acquisition structure off of that. But we had one big fish that we hooked at the beginning that connected us to like ten other groups that it really kind of snowballed really quickly. But I had a uh, a guy that I met in like the first mastermind I joined um, that wasn't fitness related, so I'd hired a you know a guy to teach me to online fitness business. Uh, and then I hired another one-on-one coach that kind of helped me craft things more and helped me grow. And then the first mastermind I joined, which is uh, industry specific, I met this guy and he was one of the like quasi coaches that just came and spoke every once in a while. And he had, um, at that time, the thing that really would like blew my mind is the numbers. They were starting to speak like, Hey, I had 80 exits. You know, biggest one was doing over a billion in revenue. Like some of these stuff I'm like, I, I just like, all I know is online fitness and I was making 30 K a year at the church. And <laughs> it's like, all these numbers were, were wild. And like, you know, at this point of a business I was doing, uh, it was right before me and my business partner partnered. And I think at that time I was doing like 50 to 60 K a month collected. And it was, uh, it was 
just me and a couple of VAs. And I'm like, this is unreal. Like, if this is all it ever is, it's great. And then I started hearing what he does and his numbers. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is what business can look like. And so I, I had some conversations with him, added a ton of value. And like, was probably the only person in that room that didn't ask for something from him. I was just talking to him about his kids and he said his son played football. And I was like, hey, you said your son Skyler plays football. Like, you know, what position does he play? And so just like built a relationship. Somehow got to a place where I asked him, like, hey, if there's any way I can serve you or your communities, like, I'd be happy. Like, I don't need anything from you. I'm happy to even coach you for free. And he was like, well, tell me about what you do. And then I ended up coaching him for free. He got crazy fast results. And he was like, hey, I run these six events. Can you come speak for these? Like, our whole audience needs this. Can you, like, help my communities? And it, like, just opened my eyes to what's possible getting a part of events like that. So then that snowballed to getting another masterminds. Then in each mastermind, there's three or four other people that run masterminds. So it, it really snowballed, but he was the first one. And then now there's a few guys to where, you know, I, I could say some pretty big names in the coaching space or, you know, business space that we probably, you know, if you, if you're up to date in entrepreneurship, you'd know these events, uh, our clients run a lot of these events. And so now it's just kind of become a, uh, we sell someone and then try to say, Hey, how can we support your community? And then in turn, they get a big you know, affiliate kickback, but also they get to help their people. So Dude, that's, that's a freaking great business model. And, uh, I love it. So price points, I mean, you don't have to go into details on that, but like, I guess you're charging pretty premium prices. Like I've heard like some fitness coaching programs are getting up to like what business coaching programs are now. Yeah. So and, we're, and how do you justify that? Like, not to, like, I like to understand like how you, pull, sure. you know, Hey, just because they can afford it, you charge it, or is that the exact reason you do charge it or because they don't value what's yeah. your mindset around your pricing with these guys? So that's where, it, that's where it started. Um, originally, like I had a hard lesson to learn coming from the church world of like, dude, I'll just help someone for free. I'm just here to change their life and support them. But I realized very quickly that if there was no buy-in, they didn't take it seriously. And so I, I had some hard lessons of guys that when I was first started to coach, paid me a couple thousand dollars and then disappeared and didn't even care. Like, I don't like wouldn't even respond to me. And I'm like, you just paid like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And I realized I just, it didn't mean enough to them and it hurt enough. Uh, and so that, that, you know, that was a lesson to learn, but now honestly, we've made a pivot to where I don't even like right now, we're not even the highest price. Like we get, we're told we need to charge a lot more, but I'm just all in on over delivering value. And a lot of where our value comes from is two things. We're not just doing traditional fitness coaching. That's kind of the meat of it. But we have a functional medicine piece where we do a high volume of, of hormone testing, gut health, DNA, food sensitivities, like we're truly understanding the data on their body. For business owners, the message is just like you have KPIs for your business, you need the same thing for your body. Otherwise, you're just throwing stuff at a wall, hoping it sticks. Uh, like data, great data leads to great decisions. And so the, the data portion that we have is really makes us different. So we have functional medicine doctors that really interpret that data. We have nutritionists and trainers. So it's like a collaborative team effort. Then on the back end, we have a full concierge service that sends them their food, sends them their supplements, books their testing for them. Like literally if you're traveling and uh, you don't have food with you, like our, our team will look at your meal plan, send you Uber Eats to your hotel, something that matches your meal plan. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of on-call service executive assistant for your health. And so between those two, like the, the value we give is immensely different than just, hey, here's your trainer eyes, <laughs> your workouts and nutrition. It's like we're actually handling all the details for them as well as giving them a much deeper experience with actual blood work and um, high level team 
So significantly different than just, you know, a trainer doing workouts and nutrition like I used to do. I've got a small handful of like online fitness coaches that I know that are doing, you know, multi six figures a month consistently and, and a few over seven figures a month, uh, fitness coaches. What do you, where do you see the industry going, you know, in terms of, um, like where are you guys trying to advance to stay ahead of the curve? Where's your thought process around, uh, you know, continuing to grow because I don't know if it's just some niches, but I know some niches have been taking a major hit. Sales are slower. People are a little more hesitant to buy. Yeah. Others not. But how are you staying ahead of the curb? I think I think the biggest like those, those things I just explained of the data and the concierge has really, especially over the last year, separated us from most people. Is like, hey, I've had a great coach before. I've gotten testing done, but the fact that it's all in one makes it my life so much easier. It's like we're a one stop shop. So that's been super valuable. But I think the thing that we're really focusing on that I believe is what people are truly going to need is community one, which I don't know that like I've seen any fitness coaches that have done it well at a in-person level. I think there's people that do incredible group communities, but I think people are just getting so washed out of like, I don't want to do the Facebook group. I don't want to get on my group calls. And so I think what we're doing with like actually bringing people together, making them feel part of our team, like all of our clients are called athletes. You know, they're part of the team. There's things we do to really reinforce that. But you know, with some of the in-person events we're doing to really deep dive and build relationships, as well as some of the internal work we do, um, I think that's the thing that's really beginning to separate us is the culture we build. If this is something I, I, I don't want to leave. Like, so that was our biggest problem is we get people incredible results over a 12-month period. Like When you have that much data, incredible teams, people that are disciplined to do the work, and we're doing all the logistics for them, like you can get really crazy results. The problem is, is they would get the results and they'd be like, I'm good now. I don't, like, I don't need you anymore. And so we're realizing like what people really need is they need to be a part of something and they need you know more than just fitness. And so I think what's separating us now is we're really building a whole ecosystem of entrepreneurs that get the fitness foundation down, but then let's make like our, our mission statement is this. And I think it'll give more clarity is we create athletes that win in every area of life. So we create them into an athlete identity first, but then that begins to translate into every other area of their life. Is now that you've mastered this, how does this translate into your family, into your faith relationships, into your business? Uh, but then you're part of a community of, of, of other entrepreneurs or executives that want to grow in every area too. And you just you know continue on this path and road. I love it. Dude, that's so freaking awesome. People come for the fitness and they stay for the life. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly. I learned that early on. It's a little secret retention hack. But I mean, how much stuff can you teach on squats versus like extension? Yeah, so. I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get on a call to ask like, for the thousandth time why you didn't hit your macros. Like that's right. if that's if that's the only thing we can talk about. Then I'm, I'm not doing my job. And so it's a lot of what I do with our coaching team too is. All I do is pour into them on a daily basis in their personal growth and development. So any conversation they're having with their clients is if they're messing up, you should not be asking about the macro. You should be asking what's going on in their life or what's internally happening that's causing this. Yeah. And if, if you're not following Cole on Instagram, like you always have – follow him. We'll put a link in the show notes at uh, Cole David Taylor there. And you always are like with people. <laughs> like, I don't know. Are these his friends? Or is it an event? Are these his clients? Is this his team? Uh, you're always yeah. with people. And I'd love for you just to talk about like, I know you're big on culture and really investing in your team. And just like you said, you're, you don't want to just say, Hey, why don't you hit your macros? Like it's more of a, it's a deeper conversation if they're not hitting their macros. It's an identity conversation. I know you're huge on that. So, so tell me a bit about like, how are you coaching people differently? Like on a higher level, that's like 
just takes care of like what's the golden domino that you guys are really focusing on yeah identity is it it's 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 everything for what we do and the more that i've dug into the concept of identity the more that i realize it's it's really the domino for every area of our life. Like it's it's been the the, the major change for me in business, in my fulfillment, uh, you know, where I find my worth. Uh, like it's the major change for why I'm staying in shape now versus that I did the whole up and down thing too for years after I stopped playing football. Like identity is this key that is not talked about enough, uh, but to me shapes everything. And I, I firmly believe that your identity shapes your actions. It's James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, it breaks it down super well. Uh, but Craig Rochelle's book too, The Power to Change, it's really opened my eyes significantly. And a couple of quotes he says, uh, one is you do what you do because of what you think of you. Like that is rolling in my head at all times. I'm like, man, like because of what I think of me, that shapes everything I do. My beliefs shape my behaviors. And so I, I've really begun to understand this concept and, and dig into my life of like where that's present. And now I see it everywhere. This is why I made that decision. It's because a belief that I cared about myself because I didn't think I was worthy enough. Or I didn't think I was good enough. Or I didn't think I was loved. That shaped how I acted and therefore that shaped the results I get. And most of our clients come to us thinking we can give them the perfect program. And if we give them new actions, they'll get different results. And I have to tell them, hey, that's a short-term fix. Like I, You can all out sprint for 90 days and get whatever results you want, but that's not going to fix the problem. And so when we onboard someone, the first conversation we have is actually, I need you to forget your goals for a little bit. They're like, what? Like, just trust me for a second. I need you to take your goals. I need you to push it to the side. And they're like, what? what are you talking about? And I say, hey, winners and losers have the same goals. You and everyone else have the same goal, but it's the standards that separate them. It's the identity that you have will separate you. And so we, we have this conversation of my goal for you is to create you into an athlete that believes you're an athlete, that sees yourself as an athlete. And then guess what? Your weight loss will become a byproduct of that, but you won't have a finish line anymore. It's just a checkpoint. You can just continue well beyond that because you've set a new standard for yourself. And so that's a, I think we are very strong on. And anytime someone messes up or misses their diet, it's not a, Hey, why didn't you eat your macros? You need to be more disciplined. It's like, Whoa, let's step back. Like what was the internal conversation there? Like what happened? How can we how can we make sure this doesn't happen? Is there a belief issue? A lot of times if clients continue to struggle, the first conversation is, hey, bro, like there's a major identity shift that needs to happen. I need you here at our next in-person event where we diagnose this and figure it out and allow God to highlight what needs to change here. Uh, and so this identity thing has changed everything for our culture, for our clients, but it's also for me, like why I'm so passionate about what we do because there's a season where I was fully burnt out on coaching because I don't even want to hmm. do this anymore. Until... I had this realization of what identity flaws I had or labels that I was putting on myself that once removed and I figured out what God truly says about me, it unlocked everything. So I could talk probably hours about identity and it's a life changing. Well, let's let's do, but let's like do five, 10 minutes on this because <laughs> I think this is the most interesting thing. What, so what's going on with the guy that just can't get rid of the same 10 pounds? Like he's losing the same 10 pounds. He, he loses it and he gains yeah. it. He loses it. He gains it. You know what, how we're, what were we diagnosing there? Because there's clearly something like going on on a deeper level. Yeah. Well, I, I like saying it like this. Your labels determine your levels. And so the labels that I, I place upon myself, the belief patterns, the what I call myself, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, that determines the level of health or performance I can have. And anytime I see someone finding inconsistent results or up and down, I can do it and then I can't do it. I do it. I can't do it immediately. I'm like, okay, there's a belief pattern there. Whether it's from trauma growing up, whether it's a you know what your 
parents said to you, whether it's just an experience you had, it's something leading up to this has allowed you to see yourself in a certain way. And if we fix that, it changes everything. And so, you know, for me, the process is a couple things, uh, and then we actually walk them through this process. But you've got to identify like what's brought you here and what could be shaping that, uh, what is holding you back from where you want to be, and more importantly, be able to make an exchange for like, all right, here's the label I'm actually holding. Which I think most people, when we get down to it, it's unworthy, unloved, or alone. Like it's <laughs> it's one of those three things if we dig to the core. And for me, that's what it was too. Is like I I don't feel like I'm good enough, or I feel like I'm alone, or I'm not loved. And somehow, subconsciously, that was shaping. And it's different for every person. But if it's the 10 pounds, that unworthiness, if you don't believe you're worthy to have a good life or you're not enough, or that's going to somehow trip you up at some point and make a decision of like, hey, I'm not good enough for this. I can't do this. And you'll make a decision that that, that ruins your results. So self-sabotage uh, behavior. So, hey, you know, I'm fucking getting yeah. lean, but I don't deserve I – yeah. I can't stay yeah. lean like this all – the time I'm going to go have yeah. an apple fritter. I'm going to have a drink. It's so it's a cycle of not being able to create a new like. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. Or yeah, or even the maybe it's not that they 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 think they can't sustain it. There's also like some crazy mind tricks that your brain plays when you start to have some of those labels. Like if you if you don't think you're worthy, there's also like an internal fear of what happens if you do prove that you're worthy. Mm. And what I mean by that is like our brain is uh, my favorite way of saying it is we will choose a familiar prison over an unfamiliar freedom. Like our brain would choose what's comfortable, even though we know it's not what makes us happy versus what's uncomfortable because it's unknown. Uh, and I think that's what happens with some of these identities. If I like get my whole life, I've been this person that's overweight. And even though I know I probably could do it. And even though I know it'd be way better, I don't know what that's going to do to me. Like, I don't know if that's going to affect my relationships, if that's going to affect how people perceive me. Is that going to change like the way that I can talk about? Like there's so many unknowns that your subconscious is trying to play through that it's actually more comfortable to say like mess him up <laughs> so he can just stay the right. same. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's the home. It's the, their emotional home. Yeah, it's it's home. like why, uh, that identity, that baseline. Yeah, it's like why certain people in the world where they experience a natural disaster and they have their home destroyed and then they clean it all up and then, Okay, understandable. And then the natural disaster comes again and they're like, okay, they clean it all up and then it comes again. It's like, yeah. why don't you move? Something well, leave. <laughs> why, don't you, yeah. why are you living in the same place that got wiped out by a natural disaster three times? It's because it's their emotional home, but it's not serving them any longer to stay there. And that's hard to exactly. like, I can't live here anymore. So good. But what's so cool about this too, is once you start to even have awareness of this, like for me, when I first got awareness for this, I see it everywhere. And I'm like, huh, what kind of label would have caused me that action? Like I said that thing to that person that I knew I should have said, or I didn't want to say, or that didn't feel like that was, <laughs> that wasn't a very uh, fruitful conversation. Like what caused me to do that? And you start to unpack that and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's because I have this label of being alone or unloved and if I would have kept that relationship in the way it was then I would have broken that label and my subconscious like wasn't prepared for that and so you almost like sabotage yourself because you're not ready to break that label out hmm. and it's it's a, it's a powerful tool once you can start to understand hey there's a safety there I can actually get out of this place and if I can rewire some of this everything I ever wanted was on the other side of it. I love it so you're like leading with your faith 
inside your business. Um, just yeah. share with me a bit of the, you know, dynamics are like your team believers. Are you, are, is it a, I guess, is that re- yeah. prerequisite a majority of your clients? Are they, they're getting surprised on the other side or they, I mean, you're pretty authentic. Up there, so I mean, I'm, you're like me, like when people come into my coaching program, they already know that I'm a Christian, they yeah. like they're not surprised. Um, yeah. that's the way I believe that's authentic to me. I would never, it wouldn't be a much 100%. of a faith if I didn't share. <laughs> no, not at all. Like if you, if you've truly had your life changed, uh, you want to share. I, my, my thought is that people aren't sharing their faith and they really haven't had the, the full experience. Like you, you really don't know Jesus at a true level if you're not able to share it because it, it just overflows out of you. If it's truly like, if you found the life-saving cure to something, you're going to share that because you know how much it helps mm. people. If it hasn't truly changed and helped you, then of course you wouldn't share about it. And so, uh, yeah, it's hundred percent something I'm very outspoken about. I think for me, I've actually gone through a big shift this last year. It wa- I wasn't as outspoken in our business as I, I have been the last you know, six months or so. Uh, God actually spoke to me pretty clearly at the beginning of last year and hit me really hard. And I like, started weeping in the middle of a church service and he said, Hey, I've given you a chance to pastor people again and you're not using it. And I was like, oh, okay. Just like melted in church. And had this realization of like, I'm not being super outspoken about my faith. Not that I would shy away from it. If anyone asked me, I'd you know, tell them exactly what I believe, but it was not the forefront. Like it was not pushing people to Jesus. That was not what drove me on an everyday basis. So I actually went through a kind of a season of rediscovery of what would it look like if my purpose was back to where it was? Like if I truly was someone that was designed to just point people to Jesus and actually reshaped our company. A lot of the stuff we're doing at these in-person events and the conversation we're having has all been built around this. Uh, and so it's not a prerequisite for anything. Like clients aren't, you know, that's not a conversation as part of their onboarding. It's just, it's very outspoken and, and you know what you're getting into. Uh, our team, we've started to make it a little something different as we actually kind of cleaned house a little bit halfway through last year and, and reset some of our values and standards and said, these are the types of people that we want. And now every person that we hire and onboard it's not a prerequisite, like, are you a Christian or you're not? But we're so outspoken about it. Like, hey, here's our, our, our mission, which I kind of explained before, is we create athletes that win in every area of their life. But our actual vision statement is life transformation through Jesus. And I'm like, hey, this is our mission, fitness, personal growth. But just so you know, if, if it stops there, that's still not enough. Like, I need them to actually have an encounter with Jesus. And so is that a mission you're cool with being a part of? And that people weed themselves out. And so it's a pretty outspoken thing. And they have to actually, before they can work for us, they have to come to one of our in-person experiences, which is a lot of prayer, a lot of Jesus time. And so, uh, it's not a like, Hey, you can't work for us, but if, if they don't align with that, they don't want to be a part of it. Hmm. That's uh that's fantastic, man. So, so awesome. And I, I, uh, love seeing God honor you guys. Cause you guys are honoring him. And, um, Thank you. I appreciate that. let's talk about the dark editor. I'll clean that up. Let's talk a bit about the dark side of the industry and, you know, maybe some of the, um, challenges that men face, uh, power, pleasure, you know, sexual promiscuity and, um, and, uh, what's the other one, uh, fame and, uh, fortune, two P's and two F's, um, power, pleasure, fame, and fortune. Um, personally, like, <laughs> let's get right into it here. What do you struggle with and, and what do you find like, a lot of men are falling and, you know, it's, it's a high bar, you know, um, how do you, how do you navigate? How do you put on boundaries? You know, the word of God talks a lot about like, you know, God will, 
you know, not give you more than you can bear, but at the same time, you can't put yourself in tempting situations. Like, you know, if you're surrounded by like guys that don't value God and have different trophies, like you're setting yourself up, you know, and, and I mean, you're a successful dude. I don't know your relationship status, but you're a good looking dude. You're a rip, like you're making money, like, you know, like the world's your oyster. So just love to hear your just, um, inner dialogue, your faith around just staying on the narrow road. It's, it's a great question. I, I, it blows my mind, honestly. And this is a, a big part of what frustrates me about the, the coaching culture and a lot of what our, our industry is, is people market so much their lifestyle, which I think is great if it's an authentic lifestyle. But there's a, a large segment of coaching where it's marketing like this flashy, like, here's all the money I make. Here's the cars I drive. Here's the women I sleep with. Here's the like, and like that stuff. I like want to puke when I see it. And not, there's nothing wrong with nice things. I have nice things. I have a nice car. I have nice watches. Like that's great. But if that's like all you're showing, and that immediately tells me what that's most what's most important to you. Now, if it's a part of what you show, like here's my family. Here's my purpose. Here's the things I enjoy. Oh, by the way, here's my cars. Here, like that's fine. But like there's this sub section of culture of our of our coaching industry that it's like all about these the things that i can accomplish and the worldly pleasures i can i can get you to if you follow me and it's just a it's a gross thing and it really turns me off and it's a big part of why i'm like i don't even know if i want to be in this coaching industry anymore until i had this kind of reawakening of like no 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 coaching's my ministry and so i can do something completely different with this but for my internal dialogue like to your point yeah like i'm a single guy not married uh make decent money and you know in good shape and feel like i have a good head on my shoulders and definitely provides a lot of opportunities to stumble. Uh, but I think the two things that keep me straight is one you mentioned is I'm very intentional about who I surround myself with. Like the men in my life are incredible, like faith leaders. Uh, you know, we talked about one of them, Steve, like Steve's one of my mentors and like keeps me in check and holds me accountable. Like I've got incredible fathers, husbands, you know, faith people, but also successful business owners that, you know, really provide those boundaries. And I talk to them consistently and they are willing to speak into my life and call me out. So that's one of them. But two, I'm a, I'm a believer of like, if I don't fill my cup up on a daily basis with Jesus, like I will get poured out empty and that's when you're the most vulnerable. And so I have this mental vision every day. Like when I have my quiet time of reading and praying, like if I don't do this, it's not even just about like, I got to connect with God and get everything. It's like, I will, like, I don't have an armor on, like it's literally the armor of God. Like I am weak to whatever the devil wants to throw at me. And, you know, there's, because I spend my day and you do too, pouring out, like we're pouring out and serving people. But at some point, like if you're empty, that's when the devil attacks the most, and you're the most likely to ruin your life. And so for me, I literally am having to fill my cup up on a daily basis to make sure I'm overflowing with him. So that even when I do get outside of the boundaries of my perfect environment, and I'm in these crazy masterminds where everybody's drinking and getting crazy, like I know who I am so much and I'm so full that I can avoid a lot of that stuff pretty easily. doesn't mean there's still not temptation, but I do enough to surround myself with the right people to fill myself up frequently. And I have pretty hard boundaries, um, you know, that it, it helps a lot to stay away from that stuff. That's good for you, man. Yeah. It, you, you nailed it there with the men. Like when you've got solid men, those are the guys you don't want to disappoint. And, and, and those are the guys too, that, you know, are, you know, I don't know how that dialogue sounds, but you know, I've got, my brothers are like that for me. And, and, uh, you know, we know that Christ wiped shame from, you know, on the cross, he killed, you know, destroyed that, you know, and I think a lot of guys just walk around in shame and like defeat, like they stumble and it's like, see, you messed up again, you messed up again. And I can't, I live my Christian walk. Like when I was in my mid twenties, I actually told my parents, like, I can't do this anymore. 
because I was living by too much. I felt there was too much pressure. I felt like I, I had to perform and there was too much guilt because I'd be, uh, you know, Saturday night Vince, then Sunday morning Vince. And I just didn't want that and didn't realize like, just didn't realize like what you're talking about. Like I was actually loved for who I was and not for what I could be or not for what I should be. And, and I think that's a really hard message for entrepreneurs. Um, actually, it's funny because Pastor Stephen Furtick was talking about this and, and a lot of people hear that and they think it's a form of settling or a form of laziness or not a form of like not pursuing your potential. And, and really that's, you know, that mindset's more like self-righteous and it's like not realizing like you are saved by the grace of God. And like, that is a posture. That is a humbleness that we walk by. We every day feel about that. It's powerful. Yeah. Well, and I think this has been, because our, our personalities are probably pretty similar. We're very driven. We're very prone to getting our worth and what we accomplish. And if I don't do enough, I'm a bad Christian or I'm not a good business owner. I'm like terrible husband or father. Like we can have these mental conversations to where if I don't perform today, I'm worthless. And it wasn't until I started realizing like what true purpose was that started to, to unlock some of this freedom is I just like you thought purpose or potential or calling or whatever these words that you want to use was all always this thing you have to live up to. And I don't think it's that at all. I don't think it's something you live up to. I think it's something you live out of. Once you truly understand who you are, it's like an overflow of because I have been given so much, both in my faith, but also just in the giftings he's given me. I want to do everything I can to maximize this. It's not a bar that I have to hit to be good enough. Like same thing with finances. I told this to our coaches the other day and we're having this conversation that they were like, Hey, how do I know where the line is of like being greedy versus just like wanting to be my best and make good money and like hit some accomplishments. I said, first off, it's all about the heart. But second off, it's this definition of purpose you have of if you think accomplishing more money is going to make you feel more important or feel better then like, that's the wrong spot. But when you realize who you are, like, I'm a child of God. And if I'm God's child and you know, he would never withhold any good gift for me, like scripture says, then he wants me to have a, a life abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask, think, or imagine is available to me in Christ Jesus is what scripture says. And so when you have that internal realization of I'm God's child, then as an outflow of that, I should be able to make a freak ton of money because God's blessed me versus I have to make all this money or I have to be a good Christian to reach this potential bar. And it's a pressure. Now it's like, there's no pressure. Like I've just been given these gifts. And so I want to utilize them in the best possible. I love that. I love that. Just, it's a pouring out from a, a place of gratitude. It is. It, but it removes all the pressure because it's nothing to do with you. It's a, like, it's all been given to you as a gift. And it's like, well, I guess I've been given these amazing gifts. I should probably maximize yeah. them versus I got to earn something. His, his to give, ours to manage. Um, mm-hmm. like, quick, who are your top, the top three pastors? <laughs> I know you're Craig Groeschel. Uh, Craig Groeschel. Yeah. Craig Groeschel is mine. Uh, Stephen Furtick is one. Uh, and then um, Pastor Paul is a, another pastor here. He was my pastor all growing up. So. Two, two local pastors and Stephen Furtick's. Oh, that's great, man. Well. That's great. We, we should yeah. talk about putting together an event, trying to get all these guys on the same stage together. <laughs> I love it. That'd be awesome. That'd be killer. Hey, man, um, how can uh, people find out about what you're up to and follow your work? Yeah. Yeah, social media is a great place to connect, uh, both just personally as well as they want to learn about, uh, want to learn about our stuff. So Cole David Taylor on all platforms. It's a great place to connect. If you want to learn more about our business itself, it's the startingline.fit.fit. I know a lot of you guys are coaching uh, that are listening to this. So anything I can do to support you, if you want to rip our funnels or our, the way we use language, great. Like As long as you're helping more people, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, so check out our stuff too. Uh, but social media is typically the best place. So Cole David Taylor would be a great 
spot to learn more and connect with me. Yeah, we definitely want to get you come speaking to one of our live events. I know you love traveling, love so uh, we're uh, <laughs> we're going to look at uh, Arizona later this year in October. So come on, I'm excited. Awesome, man. Hey, well, everybody listening, I trust you got loads of value from today's awesome conversation, honest conversation, and uh, really real, man. Really appreciate your honesty and just. Uh, just leading with your faith, man, faith first. It's 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 very honorable. I know you've probably really inspired lots of guys to just step out, be more bold and courageous, and uh, to share. And I was just thinking that if you said this, I know, uh, you know different than most podcasts I'm on where you know, fitness would be the conversation and I want to push them into some sort of free value there. But obviously, if, yours, if you guys are your coaches, I, I was thinking like if there's anything I can do with help on the identity side or some of those things, I'd be happy to give, you know, instead of charging someone for one of our client events, I'd be happy to give any of your people free access uh, to come to one of those if they want to get prayed over and have you know someone speak into their lives and figure out some of their identity issues. Um, so an open invite for someone if they want to learn more about those events too. I wouldn't charge them anything. Uh, just come hang out and get prayed for yeah, it. Yeah, amazing. Oh, dude, yeah, that's incredible, man. Well, we have a lot of a lot of people in our world and our community that are like really stepping out. You know, I've been even challenged to like lately, uh, we have this conversation off camera, but uh you know, just to lead more with faith and, uh, cause it's such a core part of my identity as well, but there's always been a, you know, it, it's, it is, it's even after 44 years of age, it's like, is this, is this going to be faith driven or, I mean, it is, but it's, it's not like publicly, but like, I think you got to find space and margin to hear God's voice. And that's, you know, that's whose voice matters when you're making these decisions. And, you know, so I, I'm so, so cool to hear that, uh, you know, follow that prompt. Cause yeah, I felt those prompts too. And, and they're real. It's crazy what happens when you follow them. The fulfillment follows, but also the growth. Like it's, I thought it was going to take me away from what we were doing, and it's it's led to exponential growth because I started following what he wanted instead of what I wanted. Yeah, it's cool how the blessing happens. Absolutely, that's so cool. So, hey, listen, everyone, if you got value from today, uh, tag us on social media, share this one out on your uh, socials, and uh, we'll likely reshare it to tell a friend or two about this uh, episode. Anybody that needs encouragement to uh, just live their most authentic version of them and to serve people at the highest level. Uh, Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you all soon. Ciao, ciao.